This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, Carm here from the Aftermarket Radio Network, and my guest is Lauren Fix. Lauren is a nationally recognized and trusted automotive expert, media guest, journalist, author, keynote speaker, and radio and television host. Lauren is also from my hometown, Buffalo, New York, and I caught up with Lauren, and we discussed her take on electric and autonomous vehicles, supply chain issues, and her passion for cars that are propelled by an internal combustion engine. Thanks to our partner, Napa, for providing this episode. Since its relaunch in 2020, the Napa Auto Care member site has continued to evolve and keep members updated on all the Napa programs, promotions, benefits, and other information available to help their businesses thrive. If you're a Napa Auto Care member, visit member.napaautocare.com to access the member portal. If you're not a Napa Auto Care Center, contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store and learn more about how to join the Napa family. Hey, honored to have Lauren Fix here with me on Remarkable Results Radio. Hi, Lauren. Hello, how are you? Lauren's the CEO of Automotive Aspects, Inc. Wow, that's a fancy name. Well, you kind of have to do that in this business to say what you do, so. <laughs> I got it. I'm sure you know who Lauren Fix is. If you've not heard her podcast, if you've not seen, you're on TV well, probably almost every day, everywhere. Pretty darn close. Radio, TV, or internet, yes. I'm yeah. always posting. First of all, everyone, we're recording in a friend's conference room here in Buffalo because Lauren is from Buffalo like I am. Yep. You live in Lancaster. I'm in Springville, New York. Maybe that registers with some people. Ski area. The, yeah. Where it snows. Everyone goes, it's snowing in Buffalo. It's snowing at your house, not at my house. <laughs> Guaranteed. Uh, but she's a nationally recognized expert on, on automobiles, uh, an author, a host. I mean, I, I know that... If there's a flood and there's a million cars, they call Lauren Fix for advice, don't they? Yes, they do. The Weather Channel and Fox Weather. Yeah. And if there's a problem that there's a big snowstorm coming and is your car ready and equipped for it, they call Lauren Fix, don't they? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it all started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I need to ask you some questions about the cars that you get a chance to drive. Okay. You're probably the luckiest person in the world. I kind of fell into this. This was not my plan. My plan was not to be doing what I'm doing. It was to running a brake business and working. If I did, I would be a completely different person today. But that was your dad's business, wasn't it? What was. I wanted to buy it. He wouldn't sell it to me. So we ended up selling out. My husband and I started a company called Classic Tube. We make tubing products for automotive and industrial. We started in 89. But I, I mean, I was even offered a job with, the, with Ford when I came out of college. But I turned it down because my father gave me good advice. <laughs> you want to live in a cubicle, which I didn't. So <laughs> ah. he was an engineer. He worked yeah. for all the automakers. He was a professional engineer in three states. He had a master's degree from Carnegie Mellon. Real smart guy. I love designing and developing things. But working for someone else is always a challenge. So I always knew I wanted to work for myself. Have you ever driven the Plaid? Of course. I don't think there's anything I haven't driven pretty much other than what is was shown at Monterey last week. <laughs> was it as fast as everyone says? Yeah, but you know what the thing is? It's electric and it doesn't give you that same emotion. You're missing the one thing that you don't get in an electric car. You get the push, you get all the rest. You don't get the, the sound of the exhaust. Now you're a car guy, like I'm a car girl. I want to hear it 
you can even manufacture it, but there isn't anything there as of today. Of course, Chrysler's working on that right now. Yeah, didn't I just, I, I swear I just saw something yeah. that they're going to start playing the Woodward sound. Woodward Dream Cruise said yeah. that they're going to do it. Yeah. We'll see. Tim Kaniskas knows what he's doing. I'm just worried that when you take Charger and Challenger off the market, Hellcats, you know, and Demons, you're going to make a lot of people angry and you may lose some customers. And also, we just heard the other day that Ford's not going to make V8 engines anymore. Well, I've got quite a few of them. I, I may just be looking at another brand. They're getting rid of 3,000 people, 2,000 in Detroit because of the move to EV. Who would have thought that you, you'd need less people to do this? Yeah, I get the... You're right in my, you're right in my wheelhouse now because... Talk to me. There's then. a lot going on that people don't know about. Yeah. We'll start off with this act, this anti-inflation act, which is a joke because it has nothing. It's going to destroy the economy. So what you're doing is you're dumping more money into an economy that you don't need to be dumping more money into because what you're going to do is weaken the dollar. So from the consumer side, as far as automotive specifically, we'll just focus on automotive. They're saying they're going to give a $7,500 tax credit for EVs. And if you buy a used one, it's $4,000. Well, let's look at the reality of this. Only 18 cars will qualify for 2022. Because of content, right? Because of content, yeah. right. Because it has to have a car to be built in the U.S. So that cuts out a lot of vehicles and they're all scrambling. And the batteries as of 2023 have to be made in the U.S. And guess how many are made in the U.S.? None. Exactly. Zero. So they're scrambling on that. But we have a shortage of cobalt, cadmium, lithium, mercury, neodymium. Seven, there's seven total rare earth minerals. And we don't mine them here in the U.S. because it destroys the environment. So who do you, where do you think they come from? China. Yeah. Who owns all the mines, even in other countries? China. Yeah. So one of the places a lot of these rare earth minerals comes from Ukraine, where there's a big war going on. Africa, and all those mines are owned by China. Yeah, did, did So I, this is not going to work. But did I not hear that they found lithium in Nevada? The problem with some of these things is that the money it takes to invest to put the money in lithium. So I was just reading an article before I came here that it takes 10 years from the time they find lithium to the time they can actually produce it for use oh, in batteries. Yeah. So 10 years from now is going to be a whole other administration. Everything's going to change. So you have to look at right now as a consumer. So when you have to think of the lobbyists from Ford and GM and Toyota and Tesla who said, what do we have to do to make sure that we can give consumers a $7,500 tax credit? They got in on this plan. But remember, what's the first thing happened? Day one, the signed bill. Huh. Ford raised their prices by $8,000. Yeah. And GM raised their prices by $8,500. So that $7,500 tax credit is out. The, it the, doesn't make it. it it's it, nothing. It, it, so it's, where is the gain for the a, consumer? It's, as I followed this news story, you a whole lot closer than me because you're so into the physical vehicle where we're doing business acumen for the aftermarket. I looked at that and I says, well, there's another feel good moment. Yeah for about five seconds when the consumer realizes that they're not, they're getting shortchanged. And for the automotive aftermarket, which I also own a business in the automotive aftermarket, we are seeing some interesting shifts. So for as consumers, first off, we have trouble getting parts. We have a broken supply chain and that is affecting not just the OEs, but also the aftermarket in a very bad way. From simple things like oil filters, we're hearing there's a shortage of diesel oil. I mean, come on, this is like, should never be the case. DEF or AdBlue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been stockpiling it like everybody else because I have diesel, my daily driver's a diesel uh, and so is my husband. So I'm like, this is crazy. 
so I have to make sure I can drive it. I feel like I'm going to be like Mad Max someday, like going to the donut shop and going, I need to buy 10 gallons of that and then filter it out and add a quart of kerosene. And I'm going to be, <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it works. It works. You just don't want the donut pieces in there. It'll plug up a fuel injector. But, but for the aftermarket, they're having the same problem. So the supply chain is impacting not just their ability to deliver parts or service, but it's also impacting the consumer or the fleets because they can't get their vehicles fixed. And I know the government's thinking, oh, we'll put them into EVs. That's not going to help either because you're not making any money. Don't you think we're moving way too fast on the EVs? We're heading in the wrong direction. And I'm telling you, like cash for clunkers that we were jammed down our throat, I this is know. the next cash for clunkers 2.0. Oh, come on. I'm, it's it's going to blow up on us because, first off, the grid can't support it. The grid is not connected coast to coast. Here in Buffalo is, is a good example of many cities, as I call them, the middle of the cities, not the coast, many of the cities that are in the middle. I've talked to manufacturers, well, you should be able to go to any Target or Walmart or grocery store or anywhere and get charging. I'm like, no, nope, there isn't any. Not in our town. Is there any, any in your town? No. No, there's level two. No, but in that bill, they they want to build so many. Do you know how much it costs? Level two costs a million dollars. So you're going to replace every gas pump with one of those? Oh my gosh, that would be billions of dollars, which the gas stations don't make that kind of money. Yeah. Although the federal government likes to tell everyone, oh, the gas stations are stealing money from us. That's not the case. That's absolutely not the case. So they, they make, it's a lost leader many times on gas. They want you to go in the store and buy milk and eggs and soda. That's where they make their money. We need to slow down a bit. We need to get mm -hmm. the economy moving in the right direction. We need to get prices, you know, if you will, stabilized. Mm -hmm. They may never go back down, but I don't want them to go back they up. They can. Gas, gas prices can uh, go back no, down. No, I get that, but I'm not sure the meat's going to come back down and maybe it will if our infrastructure works and fuel comes down and maybe uh, i just keep looking at the fact that maybe it just won't go up for a long time we, we, we learn uh, how to we learn how to stabilize that the, in the fall we're going to have higher gas prices buckle up it's coming yeah. and the reason for that is is biden's already tried to restrict the leases on oil and gas that are out there and a federal judge put a moratorium on it said, this is not going to happen. So they're going to try other ways to make it expensive. Now, who's going to pay for this anti-inflation bill, as I call it? You and I are going to pay for it. They're already said they're going to increase the cost of electricity. They're going to increase the cost of gasoline. And they're talking about billions of dollars. And they're going to fine every single oil production company. But what they fail to remember is all those cool looking cars, whether it be EVs or otherwise, are made of some form of plastic, right? Some polymer. And what do you think that's made out of? Oil. Absolutely. It's oil. Ab Everything you touch, the clothes we're wearing, the microphones that we touch, the computer, your phone, literally every, even your medicine oil. is processed with some form of oil. I know. And it goes way back. This is way back to the early 1900s when the Rockefellers and all these people with all this money said, we need to sell more of this product. So what they did, and this is a really interesting story, is they went to the medical schools and said, we want to start processing medicine, but we want you to start teaching the kids to prescribe medications instead of natural holistic solutions. So how do you get them to do that? You buy the school. It's named the Rockefeller School of or the whatever school of. And so they basically said that all of the natural solutions are gone and you want everything processed via chemicals to go in the medications and they make more money. And look how big the pharmaceutical companies are. It's interesting because you don't think about it because every day we do our job. We service our customers. We run our business. We don't have time to hang out on the internet like a lot of these kids do and absorb ourselves into some subject. 
Well, what's interesting about the whole thing is that oil is a part of everything we do yeah. every day. Yeah, Even is. glass is yeah. processed with oil. Yeah. So if you're going to increase that cost, everything goes up. I, Literally everything. I, I saw a documentary on oil refining mm -hmm. and I thought I knew. It's interesting, isn't every, it? Uh, how it was done. And I thought I knew everything that came out of the refining process. And, and basically, I'm not sure if it was a graphic or a video. And they say, at this particular level, this comes out and all the way down to, I can't remember if it was some kind of coke or something way at the, the right. sludge at the bottom. Yeah. We use everything right. from ref oil refinery. Including for petroleum jelly, even believe it or not. Yeah. And, and it's everything has a use. There's nothing going to waste. And, and you know, that whole plastics piece, I looked around my home and I thought about everything that we do that's plastic mm -hmm. and, and, and how much plastic is yeah. in our vehicles it's today. It's in everything. And, and that's why everything has to go up. I know that we're not prepared, although I know wages are going up. I don't think we're... Wages are going up commensurate with the kind of a cost that we're having. 8.5% 8, 8. inflation when we're paying 30 or 40% more. I think inflation is closer to 30% because they took automotive and food out, which are the two things that have gone up crazy. Yeah. Looking at car prices being up almost 40%, used car prices up at least that. I mean, I was able to sell a car that I thought I'd never be able to sell for $20,000 more. And I thought, now's the time to do it because this will be another, never another time in our lifetime for this to happen. So cars are like houses? Well, the housing industry is a whole other subject, but I did want to qualify something that I did a project, a consulting project for the Plastics Council. And when I sat down with them, they said, plastics and everything. And I go, really? I said, I'm wearing a cotton shirt. And they said, it's got plastic in it. I go, it's petroleum. I'm like, you're killing me. And they're like, literally, they started, the sheets you sleep on, the things you eat with. I'm like, oh, and it blows your mind. It really does. It's in glass. It's in everything. So you really need to think about when they want to crush the oil and gas industry, and that was the statement that was made during the election, that would destroy us. I guess you're right. Why are cotton shirts up? It's not just because of wages. It's because of the oil they need to... To process. To process it, right. I imagine. Are you a repair shop owner? Do you find yourself struggling with any of the following? Uncertainty about the future and competition. Are you spending too much time managing chaos and struggling with new employees? Do you lack time to invest in learning best practices or there's no time to spend on effective marketing? How do your finances look? Are you reactive rather than proactive? Do you know where you should be, when to grow, and when to shrink? If any of those situations describe where you are today, well, you are finally in the right place. Repair Shop of Tomorrow is Napa Auto Care's newest endorsed partner. They are helping shops all over the nation run more profitable automotive repair shops, and they help by utilizing proven business best practices, marketing, and coaching to leverage NAPA programs to drive quality, car count, sales, and profits. RSOT will look at productivity, efficiencies, effective labor rate, average hours per car, labor profit percent, measure and manage labor, and how you can create net profit. Team up with the coaches to create systems, operations, and procedures using a business flowchart to help you reach your goals. RSOT will help measure and manage the results to help each business succeed. Now, best of all, it's not do-it-yourself. It's all done for you. Their goal is to help service professionals do what they do best, fix cars and build relationships at the counter and in the community. RSOT will take the other minutiae off your plate. The Repair Shop of Tomorrow offers a tier-based program to not only generate more business today, but to transform your shop into a top-level shop of tomorrow.
RSOT can teach you how to make your shop profitable, and they can teach you how to recruit and how to make more labor dollars for your shop. Interested in Repair Shop of Tomorrow? We'll call 440-545-1230. That's 440-545-1230 for a free 20-minute no-obligation consultation or contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store. ADAS, autonomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've driven those cars. Yep. I mean, full-blown ADAS and, and autonomy. Did you ever take your hands off the wheel? Tell me about it. Yes, I've been in the Volvo, the Audi, the Mercedes. Uh, my gosh, so many things all around the world. Back in 2017, I was invited to go to Berlin to learn about ADAS at the time. And so we went to Continental Safety Systems, and they were showing us the coolest technology. Some of it has come to fruition, others probably in process. The biggest issue is people don't feel confident. I mean, who wants to take their hands off the wheel? You're driving a 4,000 pound or more vehicle. The last thing anyone wants to do is hurt somebody else or themselves. So I think that's a big disconnect. And it may not be maybe this generation, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I think some of the safety systems to keep you safer behind the wheel is good, but that doesn't mean you don't pay attention, which a lot of people don't. But also the fact is it doesn't help you with the skills that you need. Like you have a round view camera so people don't turn around and look. You need to use your eyes because 80% of your driving decisions are based on visibility. Blind spot detection. Great. Kia, Hyundai have those great little cameras. Love them. Fabulous. One of the best safety features on the market. But it doesn't teach you also to turn your head and look. So you're not actually driving the car the way we were learned. We were taught how to drive. We had nothing. I had manual everything in my first car, you know? That's right. Probably you too. I did. Most people did, you know? It was a manual transmission. They don't even have many of those. There's a few cars that have them. What was your first car? My first car was the worst car I've ever owned. It was a 76 Camaro with a 305. I took it to an autocross, and it was a stone. A guy had met there and said, hey, drive my 79 Mustang Cobra with a 302. I did. And I said, oh, wow. Next day, put the car up for sale. The radiator blew in the driveway the day the guy came to get it. I'm like, I'm done with this car. And I uh, bought a 79 Mustang Cobra and modified the heck out of it, put headers on it, put a nine-inch axle, Dana, a Dana rear axle, actually, when they first got started. Lots of changes. You love Mustangs. I love cars. Wouldn't you name one of your children after? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Our daughter's name is Shelby. Very good. I yes. Our son is not. Our son is named for my husband, which is Paul Fix. Yeah, so he's yeah. Paul Fix the third. Yeah. But he's, they're all car people. My daughter married a car guy who's into Porsches. So we have nice. Porsches as well. My first car, mm-hmm. 72 Camaro. Oh, nice. Rally Sport. Yeah. It was the split bumper, the front beak on the car. And mm-hmm. every time I go to a car show, I keep looking for it. So what engine did it have in it? It had a three, I think it was, I can't remember if it was a 350 or 305 back then, but it was a V8. It was white. It was a black Landau top. Wow. Remember Landau? Yes, I remember do. Landau? I oh, tell man. the kids about the like, a land what? I go... <laughs> It was that a, was just the name, the yeah, Landau Top. The Landau Top, kind of, if you will, phony leather. Yes, uh, pleather, you know, plastic uh, leather. Yeah, <laughs> it was pleather. I met my wife for the first time yeah. in 1972. I was driving that car, and then I never saw her again for four years later. Wow. And then I think she asked me when I saw her four years later, do you still have the Camaro? Wow. So, she remembered you yeah. because of the car. I met my husband yeah. at Jafafa Hots, which is a cruise night. Oh, my. Just around the corner here. Yeah. And uh, he had a 65 Shelby, and I parked there with my 85 Mustang GT, the first new car I bought. And I totally, the day I bought it, brought it home, I ripped it apart. My mother thought it was nuts. I'm ripping off the exhaust, the rear end. I ripped out the interior, put railroad car seats in it. I, I had that thing so modified with like five miles on wow. it. And that's how we met. And I asked him out on the first date because he was hemming and hawing. Hmm. So... 
Tracy's with us, who's producing the show for us. I, I, someday I'm going to tell the story of how I met Anne and then how I, there was a four year gap. And then when I re-met her, we were married six months later. Wow. Yeah, it's a great story. True love. I keep telling, I keep telling little snippets of the story. One day, one day That's I'll tell cool. the whole thing. Back to autonomy. Yes. And by the way, I loved your analogy that we have to use our eyes. Mm -hmm. it, because of my generation and I think how we learned how to drive without any of the technology, I still find myself, even though I've got the rear camera that I can look at, I'm turning, I'm still looking. You need to because they're not 100% accurate. And if you back into something, it could be your fault yeah. easily because you're supposed to use your eyes. And the yeah. insurance companies will nail you for that. Yeah. There's too much going on in parking lots today where, <laughs> where people are riding close to cars and their carts. And I have to tell you, I don't think, th even though those cameras have a wide angle, mm -hmm. they don't catch everything. Right. That's why rear cross traffic alert is one of my favorite systems. If you, like I'm driving a Toyota Tundra right now. It's a TRD Pro. That's a big truck. You pull that into a parking spot, you want that backup camera, but you also want what's called cross-traffic alert. So if someone's coming down the, the aisle way, it'll notify you because you can't see it, but the camera can. So that's where that kind of safety features are great. Blind spot detection, also good because there's always some yo-yo hanging out in your blind spot and last thing you want to do is change lanes into them. Okay. So let's go back to autonomy. Mm -hmm. Press the button, take your hands off the wheel. Not this girl. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. I've tested uh, Super Cruise, Blue Cruise, which is Ford, Super Cruise is GM. The Super Cruise is probably the most advanced, but to give you an idea, there are five levels of autonomy. Yeah. Zero, that's what we learned on. Sure. One is like backup cameras. Mm -hmm. Two is actually where we are today with yeah. today's technology. Even with Super Cruise, the only one who's qualified for level three is Mercedes, and it's only being tested in Germany. You could do level five. Back in, oh my gosh, 2016 maybe, Audi had us fly out to Silicon Valley, and we drove to the uh, CES show and we got to the border of California and Nevada, we just switched and changed plates and there was an engineer in the passenger seat and our hands were off the wheel, but only on the highways. When you got to the surface roads or you had to pull over, that's where you took control. So you still have to pay attention, but there's a steering wheel and pedals and it's a normal vehicle. So back in that year, they had done Pike's Peak in an Audi to prove that they could get to the top. So that technology has been there for a long time. How reliable? Well, you still have to pay attention. And I think that's the problem. And you saw that with Tesla, they've had a lot of accidents of people going, oh, it's autopilot. I can just fall asleep behind the wheel, go in the back seat, take a nap. Yeah, no, that's bad. And you've seen people get killed. And they're trying to actually get them to take that name away from the Tesla brand, not use it in, in Europe and in other countries because a lot of people have died. They've gotten badly injured or hurt other people. So we really have to think about the word autopilot means you don't do that. And that's how they sell it. So you really need to pay attention to that. But today we're at level two. Yeah. Level five is no pedals, no steering wheel. You get in the car, think Jetsons or something. Yep. I'm not doing that. That's an amusement ride because you have to rely on your computer. Have you ever had your phone go, oh, I'm resetting. It shuts down or your watch or your computer, your laptop. It happens to all of us. I'm not going to have to pull over to the side of the road waiting for resetting, updating, please wait. Or you're like, you know, I have to run my wife to the hospital or I'm bleeding to death, whatever it is. We as humans react differently than that of computers. And I'm not willing to sit in an amusement ride. I don't like amusement rides, so I would rather have a steering wheel and pedals. To me, that's just, we got a couple problems. We got government regulations, which are not in place. You got insurance regulations. No insurance company wants to insure these because who's at fault? 
So I'm in a pod, you're in a pod, our pods hit each other, which can happen. Okay, whose fault is it? Is it your fault? Well, there's no steering wheel. Is it my fault? Well, there's no steering wheel. So it's got, then it comes down to the software companies and the car companies. And they're like, yeah, we like the idea. And they've tested it in winter and all that. But that's the other factor, weather. So here in Buffalo and many areas of the country, a snowstorm hits, a windstorm, a sandstorm. You can't, you can't predict everything. Believe me, the weather company, people are the only one that could be wrong every day and not get fired. You and I would get fired every day if we were wrong. So if you think about that, you're driving down the highway and there's a snowstorm or rainstorm, whatever that you didn't know about was unpredictable. And that does happen because it's weather. There's no way the car could pull over and say, waiting. And you're like, are you kidding? Now I'm stuck here and a tornado's coming or a whatever. That's an anxiety filled moment for anybody. Yeah. And then you got the problem with other people besides. So there's a lot of other factors and hackers are the biggest one. The biggest factor is hackers. So we know that they can hack everything. They've hacked Tesla, they've hacked Jeep, they've hacked a lot of car companies. So if these kids who have nothing else to do other than to hack, that's their, that's their job. I mean, they're professionals at this. And they sit around with nothing else to do to see, oh, I got into the government or I got into the Jeep system or I got into whoever. Every car company is putting up firewalls, big firewalls. But you as a human today can easily find yourself in trouble by putting on like one of those car insurance companies. Oh, just plug it into your onboard diagnostics, OBD2. We'll keep an eye on your driving and you'll save money. It's an open circuit, so it can be hacked. Yeah, You don't want your car hacked. You're right. You could lose your brakes. You could accelerate unintentionally. A lot of things happen, and that falls on you for yeah. putting it in your vehicle. There's some serious issues before we're ready for this. Let's go back to level four, mm -hmm. uh, and that would be that we have a steering wheel. We have, we have all of our pedals. Are the car companies working on... Uh, attention uh, am i breathing am i am i hands on the wheel am i looking at if not you're going to get a, a jolt or a warning that you need to pay attention no mm -hmm. matter what mode you're in i mean, mm -hmm. i think it that exists now yeah exists now how many um, how many cars is it on let's see we tested it at infinity out in the middle of new mexico three years ago and it was interesting so you go out and you put it into the mode, you put on the cruise control, you put in the self-driving, you hit the steering wheel and your hands are off the wheel. When it wants, when it feels you're looking away, which the engineer showed us intentionally, he looked away like, oh, it's going over here. It gave you a notification on the dash. If you ignore the visual notification, it gives you an audible notification. If you ignore that, God forbid you have a medical issue and your, your hands aren't on the wheel, it'll start slowing the vehicle down. It'll put on your four-way flashers and, put, and slow your vehicle down, which is... Good, and in my head, I'm thinking, what if you're on a highway? Mm -hmm. Not everybody's paying attention. They assume you're going 55, 65, 75, wherever you live. That's well, it's going to pull you. Off. It's got to pull you off the road. Oh well, it pulls you off the road, but it doesn't know what's off the road either, right? Doesn't it can't tell the side of the road is this wide, this wide, this wide, because the side of the road is narrower these days than it was back in the day when they used to give a full car width wide in case your car broke down. Mm -hmm. It's not that way anymore. What if it vibrated the seat, the back, the, the GM seat? GM does that, yeah. It yeah. vibrates the bottom of the seat. But again, if you've had a medical condition, that's not good either. Oh, yeah. Let's hope that's not the case. But you start thinking about these ADAS systems. I worry about the repair guys trying to fix these things. It's hard enough now when you yeah. replace a windshield and you've got these guys, you know, doing glass repair, they have to reset every yeah. single yeah. safety feature. 
And that makes more work for them, but they're still getting the same amount of money from the insurance company. We've recently done an episode with ASE on the new L4, which is Mm -hmm. the 8S certification. And Mm -hmm. it's infancy and you can take it right now. You won't get scored. And thank God they're doing this, recognizing the fact that there needs to be Mm -hmm. some level of... I don't want to say certification, but knowledge in order to step into or to tell a employer, listen, I'm, I'm A-S, mm-hmm. but you have to have the A-8, the electrical piece. If you don't have that's, the A-8, yeah. you can't take the L-4. That's right. Now, I'm ASC certified, but in brakes, because that's my background. I used to design braking systems. Yeah. But this is a whole other animal. You yeah. really have to know. These are master tech kind of level things. If you're a master tech and you're taking the level four setup, you really know your stuff. You're like, in deep. And those yeah. are the people that you want. But again, how many people, and then again, we have this other issue too. How many people are taking that test? And we have a shortage of technicians, not just diesel techs, but literally everything where kids get out of school and they all think they're going to go to college and they have a degree and fill in the blank and they don't end up working in that area. And we have a massive shortage in our auto industry. And I've been really big on pushing educating people and we've got different areas of people you got military people coming back with great skills that we can use you've got kids that really aren't good at college or high school and that's fine because you can make money right out of the box we can get you into a program start using BOCES or whatever programs in your area you've also got a lot of people crossing the border they have great skills too but there's a whole market for this Spanish market as well because on the lower half of the country they need to communicate, and they do. And you've got to don't forget to hire these people. Problem is, you get every state's got their own regulations on yeah, that. Yeah. In New York State, we can't, but in other states, you can. So there's a lot of things you can do to try and get more people involved. And I think it's just an education process. If you love cars, you're going to love this industry because the people are the best. Yeah. I have to say, the people in the auto industry are. I've worked in a lot yeah. of industries. And media is not the best, but auto is great. Yeah. You and I could meet each other and go, I like your 72 Camaro. So I like your 65 Mustang. And we become friends instantly. I don't know what you do for a living. I don't know anything about you, but I like the fact that you like cars and I like cars. Now we're friends. Yeah. And that's, you don't get that in any other industry. So true. There is a, there's a brotherhood, sisterhood mm-hmm. kind of a it's bond. It's a family. It's yes. a family. Driven any car. And Tracy's nodding. She sees. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. true? It's yeah. so true. Driven any cars or reviewed any cars in the last couple of years that you just fell in love with? Oh, sure. And the ones, <laughs> big power. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Anything Porsche is always fun, uh, yeah. especially 911 GT3s and stuff like that. The Ford GT, of course, fabulous car. I actually, we bought one. We were lucky enough to get one. Wow. Uh, the GT500 by Shelby, fabulous. The new Corvette is the best GM car they've ever built. They built a lot of great cars. The best one ever is a new Corvette. Why do you? I mean, that's one hundred and twenty-five thousand. I think. It, well, you can it, get them. I think Zio, it was Z sixty-four. Seventy. So just a regular Z fifty-one package. Oh, okay. Just a, the entry-level car is a great built product. It's built here in the U.S. You can see the panel gaps are right. The quality of the build is excellent. The performance is there. If you want a value-based supercar, essentially, the yeah. Corvette really meets that. I mean, I've driven Aston Martins, and boy, do I have stories. They have a lot of issues. At least the two. I've had, at least I haven't owned them. I would not. I'd like a DB5, but I'm not James Bond. The car I want is way too much money. Um, But, you know, Ferraris are always a blast. Lamborghinis. I drove the Urus, which I totally loved. But there's a Roma. I mean, there's anything that's like that kind of exotic, of course. But for the normal people, like every day, what do you drive? Yeah. You cannot go wrong with a Kia Telluride or a Hyundai Palisade, the three-row SUV. They're killing it. They are making them and selling them before they hit the ground. And there's a lot yeah. of great, don't get me wrong, the competition is fabulous. Honda Pilot, Ford Explorer, 
all great products. But Kia and Hyundai have come in so strong and then I get their luxury line at Genesis. It's yeah. super impressive. Yeah. I have a friend who has a Telluride, two friends that have a Telluride, one local, one not. Mm. And I've sat in it, but I haven't driven it yet. You'd be impressed. So my husband's got real high standards as well. And so I, I we were down in Florida and we always try to get journalist cars wherever we are so we can, you know, anytime I can get a vehicle, I can't get in Buffalo. I get two cars a week. So I'm reviewing a lot of product. And um, it was funny because he drove the Telluride. He had to go pick up a part. He was bringing back. He says, wow. He goes, I really like this car. I'm like, really? The guy who drives a one-ton dually? <laughs> you know, that was kind of surprised because typically he's, he's really... Um, disappointed in a lot of product because he's got high standards. You know, not everyone does. I mean, there's a lot of great product out there at reasonable prices these days. So you don't have anything at home that's a permanent car. You're sure do. Oh, I own 26 cars. 26. <laughs> yeah. What's the 27th going to be? It's on its way. It's a Bronco Raptor. No. And I have a Raptor R coming, an what, F-150 Raptor R. What color? Uh, the Bronco Raptor is going to be red. I didn't want code orange. And the Raptor R is going to be the storm gray. Will there ever be an electric vehicle in Never. your garage? I have a charging station at the office, but I'm not interested. It doesn't work for me in our environment. I mean, we have winter. So the perfect story is, and I like this vehicle. Don't get me wrong. I got a Ford Mach-E. It was delivered in early January. So the guy comes from Reliable, brings it to my office. He unloads the vehicle and he says, it's fully charged. You got 260 miles of range. I get in the vehicle. I press the button. It starts. It says 198. I go, I thought you said it was fully charged. Just wanted to confirm. He goes, it is. I go, doesn't look like it. He goes, cold weather. Like the driver already yeah. knew. He goes, cold weather. He goes, yeah, you're going to lose about a third of it. And it, this is the driver that's been delivering these to all the, I'm a juror for the North American Car and Truck of the Year and the World Car Jury also. So we get everything. So here I am going, huh. So the day warmed up and it, it, this is what would drive me nuts owning one. Oh, you have 205 miles range. Well, it said a few minutes ago at 198. Then it says you have 180. Then it says you have 210. It's like, I get it because it's based on road resistance, the temperature outside, the accessories you're using, the distance. You're, there's a lot of factors. And when you start thinking about that, to me, I can't deal with that range anxiety, that constant change. You know, a gas tank, I look at it, it's full, it needs gas, I can fill up gas seven minutes, I'm on my way. But the one thing no one's talking about, and I expect this to come up, I'll just say I have contact with someone at the Pentagon who works in the Futures Department, I won't say anything more than that. And I asked them, what do you think of electric cars? And that person said, alternating current can be very dangerous. DC, not so much, but it can be. And I said, wait a minute. So, of course, when you throw that at someone, you got to do your research. So we were told, don't put your phone at your ear. Could cause a problem, right? Oh, okay. So we all use earpieces. We try not to put our phone at our ear, you know, keep our phone in our pocket near your private parts and all that stuff, whatever you can do, right? But you're sitting on a bank of batteries, which is about 2,000 cell phones. Okay. We don't really know. They can't insulate the, the magnetic field. But what really hurts is the charging stations. Do not stay in your car when you're charging an EV. If you have an EV and it works for you, awesome. Don't stay in the car. And a lot of people are like, oh, you should sleep in the car. You can read in the car. You can eat in the car. I don't want my whole family sitting in a car while it's charging on a high-speed charger. Now, look at the magnetic field. You can do your own research and you be shocked. Now, I have a feeling that down the road, we might be talking about a real problem. And when it's at that point, like asbestos, like lead paint, the government pushes it 
This is a great solution. It's lead paint. You won't ever have to paint again. Oh, we're wrong. Asbestos, same thing. And, the, and we all know that because of brake pads, right? Mm-hmm. All the stuff. And they've changed that. So we even had that, uh, I think it was called a lestra. It was the stuff you could eat as much food as you want and not get fat because it was supposed to take all the fat out of the food. And people were getting really sick. That's right. Oh, my. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. The government pushed that, too. It's a great way to lose weight. Mm, I guess we were wrong. I think we're putting the cart in front of the horse in a lot of ways. The, the grid can't support these electric cars. The charging stations potentially could be a problem. I talked to someone at one of the major uh, charging companies. And I said, off the record, I won't say who it is or who the person is. I said, you know, are we going to have wireless charging for cars? You know, like you pull up on a pad and he goes, never. I go, why is that? Yeah. He says, because the heat, you'd fry yourself in the car. He goes, touch the cable that's insulated that charges your car. It's warm. It's got heat. When you charge, go in the store. Leave the vehicle. Yeah. So I'm just giving everyone a heads up that I'll be the, one of the first people to have discussed this. Other people are starting to discuss it. Of course, the car manufacturers don't want to hear that, and they get mad at me, and sometimes they don't invite me to certain drive events because I'm not saying I'm anti-EV. I'm just pro-truth. That's, I just want people to think about right. these things because what are you going to do when it's too late? You do have a, a stand on EVs, and I appreciate you sharing it. You yeah. have a podcast called yeah. Total Car Score. Mm-hmm. With Carl Brower mm-hmm. and Javier Mota? Javier Mota. Javier, Javier. Javier yes. Yeah, I, the, yes. the J is silent. Yeah, that's way. right. <laughs> Carl Brower works with IC Cars. He's a past employee of Kelly Blue Book and Auto Trader. He's really well versed. He also owns a GT, by the way. He's the only other journalist besides myself that has a GT. He's a car junkie like I am. Yeah. He's got a Hellcat or a Demon. I get that wrong. You get mad at me. And uh, Javier lives in Miami and uh, also. He's world car, we're, all three of us are World Car and Knack Toy, which is North yep. American Car and Truck of the Year jurors. So if someone wanted to see some of the reviews, mm-hmm. where would they go on YouTube? You go to Car Coach Reports or any form of social media. I'm literally on every form of social media, even ones you're like, they're still around, at Lauren Fix. Who manages your social media? You're looking at her. I do it all. I'm a one-man yeah. band. I have people that help me edit, but pretty, and my son also helps, works with me. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff is, some stuff goes overseas to be edited, but I do all the social media. Also, laurenfix.com, does that work? Yeah, you can go there, or automotive aspects, or car coach reports. I do consulting for the industry. I've done keynote speeches, panels, there's lots of stuff. My background is very diverse, engineering, marketing, communications, public relations, and design and development. You're a member of SAE? I am a member of SAE since 1981. I was in high school when I developed the first drum to disc brake conversion kit. And my father said, send it into SAE, see if they'll take it. I go, I don't have a degree in high school, let alone college. He goes, I did the blueprints. I did it all myself. He approved it, sent it in. I got accepted. That was back in the day when you had to send stuff into SAE, but I'm also an ASE certified tech. Cool. So I'm happy to be a part of both. Lauren Fix, the car coach. That's right. It's, it was a long time to the world that I would see Lauren at events, and I'd, say, I'd love to interview you. She goes, sure, sure, sure. So finally, <laughs> we made it happen. Yeah, I'm glad. It just Things have changed these days, and that's it's good. So I, I saw you at uh, Apex last yeah. year, and I waved. They had me hosting yeah. down in the basement in Joe's Garage. So yeah. I'll be there again this year. That's where I was, too. I will see you again this year. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.